You're listening to The Dice Men Cometh. Proudly sponsored by LFG Australia. LFG-Oz.com.au Or you could visit their store in Canberra. It's in the ACT. For all your board gaming needs. And now, on with the show. Well, hello everybody out there in Board Game Podcast Listening Land, which I believe was the original name for Candyland, but I thought probably a bit too long and a bit too futuristic at the time. Oh. Uh, you are here with the Dice Man Cometh. We are here to talk about all your board games, card gamings, role-playing games, all the gaming stuff you can play on, around, in, near, adjacent, through a table. And I am Leon, as well you know, and he is Garth. Yes, I am. And that is also Mark. I am here, and we're now into... The second lot of 350 episodes, because we've finished 350 with the last episode. Yes, yeah. and we had all the fun pressing the button about the Loch Ness Monster and 350, so we thought, well, naturally, we'll do some Googling and find out some cool interesting things about the number 351. And other than the fact that it seems to be an engine of some description <laughs> that some actual men out there might, or women, sorry, might actually know things about, we don't, so we don't particularly care. But... Because of the amazing new segment that Garth came up with last week. I used to say he was a genius, not anymore, because this is old hack by now. Yeah, you expect more from uh, But Board Game 351 on the BGG as of recording today is a game by the name of San Juan. Correct. Or Puerto Rico Light. Kinda. With mm, cards. Really. Puerto Rico cards, I guess, really. Anyway, but that's it's that's a good game. Well, and, it, and it was very hard to get for a long period yeah. of time, actually. And it's okay. Um, well, I think I played it once just because I'd rather play the full game of Puerto Rico. I mean, yes, it's old. Yes, it's beige. Yes, it needs a reskin. But it's a classic for a reason because it's a classic. There we go. Yeah, and I was going to say that I could probably name you about 350 other games that are better than it, but then I realised <laughs> no, because things like Gloomhaven and that are in that list, apparently. <sighs> rubbish, really. Uh, I, I thought I thought we could have a little sting for, like, 350, 351. What's up with that? What's up? But that sting's already gone, so never mind. Sometimes, you know, you shouldn't say things out loud. Really? You should just think them. I know it's not good for an audio medium that we're recording, but just to let you know. I, Leon, I don't think things quietly. <laughs> you don't do anything. You don't either. say things quietly either. <laughs> anyway, what are we doing tonight? We are talking about some games, Garth, surprisingly. <laughs> That's good. Not engines. I th- no, nothing about those. <laughs> I think we're going to mention Seven Wonders Architects. I think we are. We may mention another game called Star Wars The Clone Wars. <gasps> And if we've got enough time... And we are famous for having enough time on these shows. We've got another game, a third game, called 5211. Hey, don't teach the game. Which, that's very clever. Yeah. To be fair, we were saving that for episode 5211. Yeah. However, we couldn't be asked, so we thought we'd get in. Yeah. We'll be able to talk about the expansion then, I'm sure. Yes, exactly. Excellent. This is a game that could definitely use an expansion. I don't yeah. know you do that. <laughs> Either way, let's have a quick little breaky break. Some some people saying how good we are or how amazing, you know, you should join up to our Patreon because they're the best episodes we record and they're awesome. And then we're going to talk about some stuff. We might have some of those BG, BG, BBQ characters telling us how good we are. Possibly. If only they'd asked us to record messages about how good they are, but they don't. <laughs> so too bad. Yeah. You're with the Dice Man Cometh. 
My name is Adrian, I'm from the Board Game Barbecue, and I really like Garth's beard. Garthy boy. Yes, Leon. The seven wonders that I've heard so much about. I hear the two-player version is rubbish. Ah, <laughs> don't say anything. I've not played it, but apparently one of you likes it, one of you can't. I can't remember. I don't really listen to what you guys have to say. I nor do people that are listening to this show. Well, I, and you know what I hate to say? Think of Thema, who I love, except I disagree with them on that point because they agree with you, Garth. It's one of their top... I think I mean, one of them, it's the top game and one of them, it's the second top... Two-player two, game. Oh, think of Thema are uh, geniuses. No, they're senses. not. They they clearly not plays Summoner Wars. So yeah. There you go. <laughs> uh, but also, the original Seven Wonders, considered a classic by many people, an introduction to like uh, the drafting mechanic to a lot of people as well. However, this will be not terribly exciting for people that have listened to the show, all of them up to this point. The last time we did try to play this a couple of years ago, the original Seven Wonders, oh, it fell shockingly flat. And it, we just didn't have a good time for some reason. So... If only someone could kind of simplify it a little bit and bring out a new version of it that looks really nice, doesn't cost as much, and we could go from there. Well, simplify it, they have? Ooh. Or have they? So you've got one goal. Construct a wonder so grandiose it will leave your mark on history. Your legacy is on the line. Dun-dun-dun, mm. Seven Wonders Architects by Anton Bowser. So, yes, you're right, Leon, about all of those things. Think a theme are awesome. Aren't they, Mark? <laughs> and they make really good game recommendations mm. such as Seven Wonders Duel. And what would they know about two-player games? There's <laughs> only two of them. <laughs> I know. And also, somebody sent us this game, didn't they? They did. And this is Charles from LFG sent oh, us this game, our lovely show. sponsor, where oh, you would have just Charles. heard yeah. something at the start of the episode about how good they really are. Yeah, they are so good. Love you, Charles. Looking forward to seeing you in a few months at Bordercorn. <gasps> which he also sponsors. Yeah. It's a sponsoring machine. So, Except for, well, just us and Bordercon. Keep your hands off, you barbecuers. I can see it in your eyes. <laughs> so, Seven Wonders Architects is a new base game for the Seven Wonders genre. It is not expansion to Seven Wonders, so it's not like Leaders, and it's not like Babylon, and it's not like the shippy thing, and it's definitely not like Seven Wonders Duel. This is a standalone, very, very, very simplified version of Seven Wonders. It still has drafting, but you will probably be able to get the whole game done in well and truly under half an hour. Mm. Uh, I think I was able to get it done in about 20, 25 minutes with my grandmother, my grandmother, my mother, who really doesn't play games, and my daughter, who does, and she picks up things really, really quickly. So in this, everyone is going to be starting the game by choosing one of the... Wonders. Wonder. Do you want to know how many there are? I wonder how many. There are seven of them. So um, you've got Alexandra, you've got Ephesus, you've got Babylon, you've got Rhodes, you've got Helicarnassus, Olympia, and Giza. Mark. <laughs> what do you call me? Giza. You know, he's a geezer, all right? On a quick little side note, you know the, the, the seven wonders of the ancient world? Mm -hmm. Did you know that half of them are just made up and just never existed whatsoever? There's literally like one of them that's actually real. What? No. Well, They're know. all real, Leon. No, they're not. They are. No, you know the the hang the hanging garden. That's not a thing. That never was a thing. Anyway, says, hang on, hang on, hang on. It hang on. This, is, this needs to be taken to another podcast. We don't have another the, the podcast. history podcast. The Seven Wonders podcast. 
Um, we're going to talk about board games, and then Leon and Marky can have a fight about whether things existed or not. Okay. Well, Mark was there, so I guess he would know. Well, he built half of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, each player is going to start by choosing one of the available wonders, because you get this whole little individual sort of... I don't know, pencil case-sized little plasticky thing that has the pieces of the wonder that you will be building, plus a starting deck of cards that you will be using as well, uh, and a couple of bits and pieces, and you open it up and that's your little wonder. You build it because the wonder that Leon has double-sided wonder technology Mm. in that you put it together like a puzzle. One side of it is the construction side. And the other side is the actual completed wonder. And throughout the course of the game, starting at the bottom and working your way top, as you construct a piece, you will flip it over. And that, my friend, was a massive tick for me when I first saw this game because in the nice original visual. game... Sorry, it's a nice visual joke. Guys. Yes. <laughs> no one in the podcast would have anything on it. He did a tick thing. In the original game, you had pictures of the wonder, well, you had your but board. it was just a board. Yeah. But in this game, you actually construct the wonder that was really constructed, Leon. Well, you are the architect. You are the architect of the wonder and you architect it into being. Correct. But how do you do that? How? Well, once you've chosen your respective wonders, you will put them construction side face up in front of you. You will get your starting deck of cards and you will put them to the left of you. Mm. And it comes with these really cool little deck. That, they look like they could be 3D printed, but basically they're the little deck holder just to keep the cards all in a nice little um, order, I guess. The cards have, I think it's five different types on them. And these types are your grey ones, which is your resources. resources so, yes. you know, think your bricks and your stone and da 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 You've got yellow, which is typically sort of the markety trade types, commerce ones. Yes. They're just going to be a gold coin, mm-hmm. typically, which is then a wild resource. A dollar can be used for anything else. You've got your blue cards, which again, similar to normal Seven Wonders, are basically just victory points. point cards. Yep. However, Leon, they also have a cat on them. Well, some of them do. <gasps> And we'll get to that. This game's just become a game. You've then got green cards with ditches of science. And they work almost identically. And then you've got your red fighty, fighty, fight, fight, fight cards. And you get the green cards if you marry someone from a different country, right? Yes, you do. Lovely. (laughs) Now, on your turn, you are going to do one of three things, Leon. Wow. You will either take the card from the pile to your left. That's one thing. You will take a card from the pile to your right. Or you'll take a card from the pile that's in the middle. I'd argue that they're possibly just the one thing done three different ways. Well, maybe so. Yeah. Uh, all the decks are face down, so you never know what you're going to get. Um, you flip them over and you go, oh, that's one. Actually, I'd tell a lie because they're face up to your left and to your right. So you know what you're going to get. Mm. But if you don't like them, you go blind drawing through the middle pile, the collective one. Bungies. When you get one of those cards, you will add it in front of you. And typically, if it's a resource card, you'll put it in front of you. However, as soon as you have the required um, cards to build a section of your wonder, you have to build it. Now, Garth. Yes. How will I know what she's thinking about me? No. How will I know when I have the resources to build a piece of the wonder? That is a really good question. Thankfully, the designer thought of this. So on each of the puzzle pieces of your constructed wonder, it'll have a number and either the equal symbol 
or the doesn't equal symbol. So usually your bottom pieces you wonder will say one there'll be two of them and one will say two resources and a picture of the equal sign, two are the same, or two are not the same. Uh, and ultimately, it doesn't matter what resources you use. You are just looking for, do I have two of the same or two that are not the same? And as soon as you do, you have to have to build it. You cannot reserve these. You cannot hold it back and try and go on a building spree. You have to do it. And that's what you're going to do. You're going to build stuff from the, the ground up. The game will end as soon as one player has completely constructed their wonder. So there is that racing game to it as well. And some stages of the wonders have little special bonuses that'll trigger for you. And each of the wonders has something a little bit different, which again is on a sticker on your individual sort of wonder box. So it's very, very clear what your wonder bonus is once you get to it. Second big tick of this game, the fact, (laughs) I wish people could see you, (laughs) the fact that it's got these, let's call them wonder pencil cases and go with that. Yep. Because they do look a bit like a pencil case. If you've got three people, you pull out three wonder pencil cases. If you've got four people, you pull out four wonder pencil cases. And then at the end of the game, you pack up everything into your wonder pencil You've also got a general wonder pencil, which is where you've got your dove tokens, where you've got your science tokens, and where you've got your war tokens, and you've got your communal deck. So this game can take maybe one minute to Mm. set up from, from... taken the box lid off like it takes zero time yeah no it's very clever and for that reason doesn't need to be a massive box Mm. which is nice because you know this certainly if they're trying to make this be a successor let's say to seven wonders you know you might have wanted it to take up a lot of shelf space but they didn't go down that route it just takes up enough shelf space to fit in all your pencil cases correct it is it is really good, actually. Yeah. It's really nice. That's yeah, clever. So then you've, that's your, your masonry and your, your building materials. As I said, the, the gold cards, they're just a wild resource. They get, if, that, if that gold means that you've then got the requisites sort of to build a thing, you have to do it straight away. Um, the blue cards, which are just purely points, unlike Seven Wonders, you, none of these cards really have got prerequisites. Mm. You just get points. Some of them have the cat symbol on them. Um, if you play the card that has the cat symbol on it you get to have the little cat token which goes around around the board every time someone gets um a a blue card with the cat token what that allows you to do is before choosing which pile to choose from you can look at the face down card in the middle of the stack Mm. it's also worth some victory points at the end of the game uh science works very very similarly that if you've got one of the three different types of symbols then when you get that you have to take one of the science tokens and that allows you to have a ongoing bonus usually or maybe a one-off I also think, and I'd need to check this, if you've got maybe two of the same symbol, there's there's a little variation there with science. But then you've got the military one. So the military, again, you are you are you, you know, you're not placing it to a side to say which which sort of combatants to your left and right. It's just your tableau. But whenever you take a military card, some of them have the dove symbol on them. There are double-sided tokens, one of one of which is a dove and one of which is the, the battle symbol. Every time you take one of those cards that has the dove, uh, the symbol on it, you have to flip those. Um, and that will allow you to... A war will happen when they've all been flipped over. Some of them have a horn on them. And it is in the rules that you have to make the horn sound when you take the card that has that. You need to go... Uh, and and that's, that's going to, again, sort of flip over token and trigger war. Um, war is... I've got more military than you, Leon, so I get a token. Oh, Mark, you've got more than me, so you get the token. 
that's that's the level of complexity of, of the war. Of course you have more military than me. I didn't even play this game. I was off getting pizza. You were. And that was awesome, yeah. but it didn't win you the game. Um, so well, you go round and round and round. That's debatable. It was a very nice pizza. It was. Round and round and round. You're taking a card. You're playing things. The game will continue until one person has won by... Well, not necessarily won. Has ended the game by constructing their last piece of the wonder. Each piece of the wonder are worth victory points, plus the blue cards, plus some other bits and pieces. Add them all up. Whoever wins, wins. And that's it. That's Seven Wonders Architecture. It's very, 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 very simple. I have played it multiple times, and none of them take longer than 30 minutes, maybe including the teach. And it's a great reinvention, re-implementation of the story of Seven Wonders that Anton Bowser came on the... big on the scene with, and then... You know, I don't know if I should say that it got bloated with all the expansions. Because I used to, I enjoyed it with the first expansion, with the second expansion. I think Leaders was really, really good. Leaders, I really liked Leaders. Cities went a little bit crazy, but then there's more stuff. There's the Tower of Babylon, wasn't it? Where you had to build something yeah. up and then there's boats and yeah. things. It's, like, yeah, it's all just a bit too much. And at, at the time, when it came in, it introduced people to card drafting, yeah. where a lot of people who hadn't done your tcg ccg sort of drafting didn't know about drafting it was great for that and introduced a lot of new people to the hobby and i think look i don't know if this is going to be a massive gateway game but it's certainly it has the possibility to introduce people to the hobby or it's certainly the right level for newish players so garth if yes. that is in fact your real name mm. uh take the fact that the original is considered the classic and so forth out of it. If somebody comes to you right now and just simply says, Seven Wonders or Seven Wonders Artifacts, what do you reckon? It depends if, honestly, it depends if they're a gamer or not. Okay. Because I, I agree with you, Mark, in that it is a bit of a gateway game. The, the fact that I can play it and teach it to both my daughter and my mum, mm. particularly to my mum, who is not a gamer whatsoever. You say that every episode. You just lies. <laughs> no, well, She's the biggest game we know. <laughs> gaming, gaming. Garth Senior. It is. It is. Your dad's name. <laughs> it is so much easier to get Seven Wonders Architects to the table because you can play it knowing that you're going to be done in half an hour, mm. and that's that's a massive plus for this kind of game. Whereas Seven, look, the base Seven Wonders, you're probably getting it done in thirty to forty five minutes anyway, without all the other bits and pieces. But it can be complicated, and you do need to usually refer back to the the glossary just to go. What does that symbol mean yeah. again? Especially some of the wonder abilities do get a little bit confusing. Whereas these wonder abilities are so simple. Yes. And they are written on your little wonder pencil box so you can always refer to them. There's none of that downtime that I find. And obviously drafting is good in that everything's kind of happening simultaneously. It's not in this game. People are going round and round and round. But it, it's so quick. I it's, it's Seven Wonders Light. It's absolutely the light version. But that's fine. And Garth, I think back to the start of this episode when I wasn't paying attention. The original game could play seven, and in fact, was one of the very, very few gamery games that could play seven people. Have you ever played this version with seven? No, I've not. But you can if you want. I would honestly, I can't madness? remember. No, I don't think it would. Like because the game's so quick. Mm. Like your actions, you know what 
your left option is. Yeah. You know what your right option is. And, and if you've got the cat, you know what the one in the middle is. I I can't see this, this game suffering from overstaying its welcome, even at maximum. And the account. thing is, as you said, you're only interacting with your left and right neighbour. So you don't need to keep an eye on what's going with everyone. You just need to keep an eye on what cards are available on your left and right. And you don't really need to look at, apart from maybe like the military, you well, not even that. The only thing that you... Because you can't interact with anyone, as you say. So you've got no agency over what they do. The only thing you really want to be keeping an eye on is at what stage of the wonder are they building. Yeah. Because that may change your mind about, oh, well, I can take that resource that isn't going to get me a piece or I can get this military card that's going to give me currently the one military advantage over both of my components, which is going, uh, opponents, which is going to give me two more victory yeah. points. And it's got a horn on there, so I'll get to go... So, you know, that's the only part of the other players who are further than my left and right that I probably care a bit about. Hmm. Um, yeah, as I said before, sadly, I haven't had a chance to play this game yet just because of lack of timing and, you know, pizza. all the children that I have and whatnot. And pizza. Someone needed to get the pizza. Uh but I believe, that, but I really still would love to play this at some point, and I do love the look of it. And I got to think that when they brought this out, that they were thinking of not necessarily that it's going to kill off the original game, but that it was going to be quite a big success and go from there. Because the original Seven Wonders, um, it was up there with, um, I think, probably Dominion in terms of when I think of a game, you think of it, oh, that's that game that's got heaps of expansion. Mm. And Seven Wonders is one of those games where you've got the leaders, which is one of those like essential expansions you kind of need to have. I'd say most people would not play without that expansion expansion um whereas this game it is now uh it's been out officially in the states at least for over two years and there's neither hiding nor hair nor talk of any expansion and this is like you said the components in this game the little trays you pull straight out how easy would it be to make expansions for this game but it's it's not happened at all which is concerning for you know more the design is obviously you've still got this game so if you like it that's great but it kind of sucks that I would have gone in this with the thinking of like, oh, I could maybe replace my other Seven Wonders or a different style of game with this because I think there's probably lots of expansions on the way and it's just not happened. No, and again, having done zero research about this, I think about what I see and I see nothing about this game. Like, I, I remember seeing it played once at PAX which, um, have you heard of Pax Leon? Uh, like it's a moving board on. game thing. <laughs> um, but I've really not seen or heard it, you know. But then I think... Do I see or hear much about Seven Wonders itself? No. And I don't, but that's fair enough because that's a, an old game. So is it people buy it and it just never leaves their collection? Because I don't see either of these games on buy and sells either, really. No. Same thing with Seven Wonders Duel. It doesn't seem to, to shift hands. But it sells. You know, Seven Wonders Duel certainly sells. It's, it's up there with the best two-player games. And Seven Wonders, I reckon, you know, there's a lot of board game owners who sell a truckload of Catan and Seven Wonders still. Mm. I wonder if they've kind of missed the trick here and they've kind of done what uh, poor old Nintendo did with bringing out the Wii U and it just confused so many people going <laughs> like, what is this thing? What's going on here? Because Seven Wonders architects, people, a lot of people probably would think, oh, is that just another bloody expansion for Seven Wonders that a game that's kind of a bit old in the tooth by this point, I'm not going to get it. Or some people might think, I remember that game that had so many expansions, I'm not going to invest on getting another game that's going to have plethora of expansion so they might have almost been better just flat out calling this seven wonders like just version two or just number two and maybe could have had a bit more <laughs> buzz two. because it's just like oh there's a new version of that coming out but then you know but it's, it's not kinda... this is the things because there's no it's the, the fundamental part of, of seven wonders is the drafting element yeah. the fact that i have some control over the card choices that you're gonna have yep and 
yes, there is that because I can choose to take the card that's between you or I and you're going to then have to take whatever is underneath it, which we don't know of yet. But there's not as much control over that. So it, they are very different games. Hmm. I, I don't own Seven Wonders. I don't own Seven Wonders Architects. I own Seven Wonders Duel. We should play Seven Wonders Duel. I've got the Pantheon expansion. Uh, there's really three good. of us. Well, Leon will happily watch. Yeah, oh, I'll go. No, hey, actually, I'll, 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 I'll go. I'll go. You, you play. I'll go. No, actually, I'd love to go get a pizza right now. That'd be amazing. <laughs> so look, I, I, I don't know what the price of this game is at the moment. I haven't haven't checked, but the quality of the insert and the box yeah. and, and the, the pencil facts, cases. And the, well, the pencil cases you could take your wonder out and put a pencil in there. Um, and the game is okay. Like it's a family game. And, and again, if you want a game that's going to introduce these kind of mechanics to kids, it's a good option. You know, obviously when you've got something like Sushi Go, that is the great option to introduce drafting to kids and families, I think. About 60 bucks, that's, which that's, I think for the components in this game yeah. Is, yeah. is a damn steal, yeah. which is one reason that I was kind of the one pushing that um, when... Uh, they, we got in contact with our good friend Charles at the LFG. He was like, what kind of thing would you like? You two didn't think twice about this, but I was the one, ironically, the one who hasn't played the bloody thing that was pushing to get this out because of that fact that I thought for that price point, for the nice components that this has, and I'd be curious to see if it's you know, a killer of the original Seven Wonders, but as you said, it's different enough that you could easily have both. But yeah, for, like I said, it's a game that you can teach, you You taught your mother and you taught your daughter, and it costs, like we'd mentioned in the last episode, around that sweet 50, 60 bucks, which, you know, you can't even take the kids to the movies for that price these days. No. You probably can't even take a couple to the movies for that these days. Not that I'd know, because I've got kids now, I don't go out anyway. I think it'd be weird if I took a couple to the movies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you get into that, uh, oh, Mark's probably done it. You get into that age where that's probably the thing that's the dumb. Well, he probably invites them around and oh, put yeah. the keys in the fishbowl and let's have a night of Netflix there. and chill. And on that note, I think it's time to take a short break, let things cool down on a hot summer evening in Hobart, as we will be talking about more games soon. But you are with The Dice Man Cometh. Yes, indeed, we are the Dice Men Cometh, and we've got some very, 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 very good news that we're luckily to have every year, in that we've got ourselves two, that is two, hot little tickets to yet again the best board gaming convention in all of Australia. What? BorderCon! Oh my god, how, did someone wait with their with their finger poised over the button to at 8pm last Friday or whatever it was? I think it, they sold like... Was it 60% in three or four minutes and all of them pretty much sold out in seven minutes? Yeah. Yes. That was, that's completely understandable. But we have this pre-arranging thing with BorderCon, have done since the start, uh, that we always get two to give away in our competition, which we're very, very lucky. So we're going to do that yet again. And how can they enter this fun little competition? Well, oh my goodness, could it be any easier? Mm. All oh. you have to do is send in something, whether it be a letter or an email or a tweet, or an Insta, or something else. I don't know what else there could be. Tag us, tag us in it. Yep. Staple it to a carrier pigeon. Correct. And just say, don't hurt the pigeon, though. A game that you want to play with the dice man. Yep. Yes. So how we've done it in previous years is that people have sent us um, descriptions, where people have sent us uh, voice messages, people have sent us videos, people have sent us 
uh, photos yep. explaining the game that they want to play at BorderCon with the Dice Men. So and sending that to our Facebook messages or our Instagram messages or our email at dicemen at gmail.com is the best way to do it. Dicemen Dice at, at gmail.com. What did I say? Thank you, Liam. And do we even com. still have a Twitter? Is Twitter still a thing? Yeah, we've we got at Dicemen Cometh. Do, and if we ever look at it, we might see, see you there. I'm sure we'll get a mention. Yes, yeah. that's right. But most importantly... Uh, the competition will come to an end sometime before the end of April. Well, we want to give to everyone give plenty time. of warning. That's yeah. right to for people to look at their travel plans because you know some people might live in Albury Wodonga or travel up from Melbourne. Or we've had our very first winners of the competition came all the way from Western Australia. That's right. So just for those of you playing at home, yes, the Queen's birthday long weekend. Bordercon. King's birthday. It's still the Queen's no, birthday. No, what's it called? It's called the Royal... The Royal Birthday! Tis not important. Uh, <laughs> Bordercon kicks off Friday the 9th of June and continues through to Monday mm. the 12th of June. There you yes. go. So you will be guaranteed entry to the most exclusive ticket holding place in town for Friday, Saturday, Sunday and Monday of mm. gaming. Uh, there's also... Games on Thursday nights, because typically the dice men arrive on Thursday late yes. at some point after driving up from Melbourne. Mm. <laughs> we won't call it Melbourne, we'll call it... Well, that Melbourne. weekend it is, because it's not Aubrey Wodonga. Correct. Uh, and there are already oodles of people playing games. Yep. We were able to walk straight in, and I think we got Living Forest at the ta- on we the did. table within about 30 seconds. So the point is... If you want tickets to legitimately the most exclusive board gaming event in Australia, yep. where the tickets sold out in, yes, seven minutes, then just send in an entry. And our Patreon backers, you get extra entries. Bonus entries, that's right. So you'd be crazy not to enter. And you'd be crazy if you do have tickets, but friends who want to come who haven't got tickets, to get them to become Patreon backers so that they can then enter, so that they have bonus entries, and you get the bonus chance of spending more time with your friends. Well, that's like, because unlike the priority tickets, where if Dice Man Mark decides he doesn't want to go, he can't just offload that ticket to his friend and say, here you go, miscellaneous friend that I might may or may not have. Um, Do you want to go to BorderCon? I can't do that. But with these two tickets... Once they're yours, anyone you, you like. Willy know. Wonka had nothing on those mm. tickets. Yeah, those golden tickets were sh. Yeah, compared and, to the and we're not we're saying out. if you join our Patreon at the highest tier humanly possible that we would give you more entries because we take bribery. But what we are saying is that if you join our Patreon at the highest tier humanly possible, we take bribery. <laughs> no, you just get advantages because. And tic- we've, we've said it. Like and tickets to BorderCon because we take bribes. That's right. Bonus entries for Patreons. But anyway, BorderCon competition. Get your entries in. Yes. Indeed, it is the Diceman Cometh. And you're back with us to talk about more games. We're going to be talking about games that are set in the stars. Where unfortunately there are wars. But that, <gasps> that can happen. We're going to be talking about a bit of Star Wars. Which are also comic books, Garth. What? Yes, I know. And I've read some of them of late too. The Ninja Turtles in that one? 
uh, no, not in the Star Wars. Uh, so Mark's going to tell us about a game about the Star Wars and set in the Clone Wars universe. I am indeed, Leon. Which is around similar time uh, to, to the, that Andor show, which was uh, very bad. But anyway, Mark, continue on. <sighs> Leon. It wasn't bad, it was just very boring. Oh, Garth. What are we going to do with him? We're going to get rid of him. What we're going to do, Garth, is we're going to traverse a galaxy far, far away where iconic Jedi heroes... Utilise the familiar gameplay mechanism of the Pandemic series in Star Wars <laughs> The Clone Wars. And interestingly, because people go, uh, it's just Star Wars and uh, it's just Pandemic. Um, no. Matt Leacock <laughs> is not noted as a designer of this game. So that tells you something right there, that this game is different enough from a pandemic that Matt Leacock is not noted. Leon. He was probably busy designing, and this is a bit of d- 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 news that I saw today, Forbidden Jungle, <gasps> which is his next game, which he's hopefully trying to, you know, put himself back to glory after the Forbidden uh, skies was absolute garbage. Mm. So much so that I bought it, read lots of reviews, and then never even played it. But the first two were great, and the jungle one's supposed to be good too. But anyway, back to the Star Wars. Let me tell you about Star Wars The Clone Wars. Planets under siege populate the... They're breaking the fourth wall already here in this description because they're talking about the game board. Anyway, isn't this your description? Yeah, no, you're, no, you're breaking the, board the game fourth wall. Description. Breaking the fourth Planets wall. Planets under siege populate the game board as players take on the role of legendary Jedi, travelling from battle to battle, teaming up and fighting off the separatist threat. Battle droids attack on site, and a planet invaded by too many will fall under a blockade, hindering Jedi from liberating it from the enemy or accomplishing missions. Players must work together to confront the onslaught of droids by moving into their spaces. Surely it's moving onto their planet, get it right! And engaging them in combat, utilising dice and squad cards to deal damage and push back the threat. In between battles, players move from planet to planet, see they said it there, battling more droids, crushing blockades, completing missions to turn the tide of the war and face off against iconic villains in a board game. There was so much crossing and crossing again the fourth wall there. This is you reading it, Mark. You could have made this completely thematic and you could have just gone to one or two walls. Well, look, yeah. I, was, I was reading... Did you, you prepare know? for this segment at all? Yeah, I was reading... All? You could have at least done like pew, pew, pew. Anyway, so... Here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is sort of pandemic-like, but there's no disease unless... You're talking about the disease that General Grievous caught that gives him that nasty little cough. Mm. Um, I don't know if that was a disease even. Who knows? Because I'm not deep into the uh, the mythoth it was a, of the Clone Wars. It was a, a leftover from when he was actually a human and he was rather ill around the time that he got turned into a robot. <laughs> oh, okay. There you go. I believe so. I've probably just got that completely wrong. <laughs> but I believe that's what it is. <laughs> well... So as I was saying, there are no diseases. So instead of placing little disease cubes, what you are playing, placing are the droids. The battle droids. Beep, roger, beep. roger. Um, whatever they've got designations, I can't remember what they're playing. But if you get three of those battle droids placed on a planet, a la 
pandemic. Instead of an outburst happening because I don't know if droids have outbursts, except they're going, hey, um, that was a sort of a droidy outburst. Um, then what happens is the droids get replaced by a blockade, which is a is big that separatist legal? blockade ship. <laughs> was that a... Is that a Star Wars quote? That was a Phantom Menace. Like, oh. Going all the way back to when they blockaded Naboo. This, yeah, there you go. Um, so, nerds. <laughs> you get three droids, they get replaced by a blockade, which is basically means you can't go there until you do a thing. <laughs> Clear the blockade? Yeah, that. Some might, some might say. Yeah, it's really tricky. But to do that, you have seven different Jedi to choose from among the seven Jedi miniatures. And the amazing thing about Jedi, they like to cooperate. They're so nice, those Jedi. Yeah. And so you can be one of the Jedi cooperating together. You can be Yoda. You can be Ahsoka Tano. You can be... I was going to say Luke Skywalker. You can be Anakin Skywalker. Oh, should we spoil that? No. no. Not enough time has Anakin, passed. Yeah, yeah. Anakin Anakin's, Skywalker. He's, great. he's a great dude. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Not much of an actor. But uh, Mace Windu. can be all these amazing Jedi that work together against the enemies now. One of the great things that I love about this game is that it has... It's a boss. Because it has boss fights. Because you have not one... Not two or even three, but four different villains. And in each game, you only use one. So replayability out the wazoo and even variability out the wazoo because each of the villains have special powers. So they sort of have like a basic special power. And when then things go really crazy and kick off, then they get this advanced special power. So many wazoos are going to be wrecked. Because <laughs> I didn't even know there were wazoos in oh, the Star Wars oh, universe. I can't believe But I do like how the villains obviously scale. So on your first game, they suggest you should have this particular type of villain, yeah. this villain, because it's going to be the, the entry level. You might win this villain and, and you get tougher and tougher opponents as your uh, Star Wars, Clone Wars, hashtag pandemic system game skills increases. Uh, so it's good. It, it's encouraging you to start off easy and then get into the really tricky fights as you're you're getting better and better at this game. It's really cool. And I think as far as a theme for a pandemic system, it works really well. I think it makes sense. You've got the big board that has all the little planets on it. The minis are cool for the Jedi and heaps and heaps and heaps of little sort of um, robot minis for the, for the baddies. Roger, roger. Exactly right. Um, I think it looks good on the table. Yeah, and with the villains, obviously you've got you've got the bigger mini now. You can have your choice of four villains, Garth. You've got Asajj Ventress, the Sith Assassin. You've got <coughs> General Grievous, the fearsome out. cyborg general. You've got Darth Maul when he had his own legs. Oh come on! And you've got Count Dooku. Count Dookie. Count Dookie. Oh, from the Green Day planet. That's right. And they've all got their special abilities because, as I said, you've got the basic ability. And then once you've completed your missions, which I haven't told you about yet, but the villain flips and then you have the finale, which is like the big mega boss battle at the end, which, unlike Pandemic, where it just sort of 
peters out like, oh, we got four cures and that's the end of the game. You know, this or thing, we die again. This oh, thing builds again. to a finale where you have the massive big boss fight, Leon. It is, however, similar to the World of Warcraft version of Pandemic, Ooh. where in that you build after you've succeeded on several different uh, missions and whatnot, you fight the, the Lich King at the end of it. Uh, that's probably the best review uh, I will give you about <laughs> the Pandemic WoW version because I bought it, I played it, I sold it, it's gone. So that just, it just has the one boss, that one? Uh, yeah, but it has the, the variety comes in the, the missions you do before yeah. you go towards it. There's various different levels of um, like sub-bosses you go up against before you try oh, and take okay. down the Lich King. Um, and the you know the difference between there's obviously not droids, but there's like, you know, overrun with like ogres and all yeah. that kind of stuff. So it definitely wasn't a bad version. There is not a bad version of Pandemic, even though there's like 20 different versions. I would say Legacy Season 1. <laughs> I mean, I haven't finished it yet. It's only been looks at watch five years. Yes, six years. Yeah. We're up to November still. Well, anyway, as I said, instead of going and healing planets um, of diseases, because there are no diseases in space, clearly, in this game you are fulfilling missions. Now, how do you fulfil missions? I ask you. Are uh, I hear you ask, Garth? I do with cards. I reckon with cards, and you have different types of cards. So you have cards that give you ranged attack cards that give you melee attack cards that give you ability to travel further i think they're called flight cards um but you have various different types of cards and a mission will say you need x number of these type of cards or you can only use these particular cards or you've got to give up these cards the missions are variable and then you have the invasion cards which are sort of like the city cards of pandemic which tells you where the robots are going to go to next. Right, That's right. Um, and then you... Uh, so we had the, the mission cards tell you about the squad cards that you need to have. You've got invasion cards. And then the villain has their own little deck of cards. So if you, you're sort of like the... Let's call it the mythos phase, the space mythos phase, where the villain will do a thing. And yes. it just means it gives the villain variability. And then each of the villains have their own deck of like six cards or something and so i think that's repeats, cool yeah. and, and look I, I do like the fact that it's not just okay i flip some invasion cards i put some droids on some planets and maybe there's a blockade or not but having the villain do sort of maybe unexpected stuff or expected stuff depending on you know how big the deck is which is the villain deck is really quite small there might be half a dozen cards in the deck maybe so you're going to go through that yeah. pretty quickly, but it just adds a bit more variability, which yeah. I like. You mentioned the Mythos phase, Mark. You know what does have a Mythos phase? Cat in a Box? Is Pandemic Cthulhu, oh. which I own because it's my favourite version because it was one of the first variants of Pandemic. Yeah. It's still very similar, but it's got you know heavy metal evil demons in it so rock Sounds on good. well there you go well look we'll get to i've just done two reviews in the time it's taken him you to have <laughs> we'll get to whether it works whether it doesn't work how different and how same it is but let me just talk about so i mentioned the missions you're going to have a certain number of missions based on the number of players and also based on the difficulty that you want but then like all great games it has a die and the die can either add successes or damage to your mission. So you can try and, you know, make sure you've got enough of the cards you need, but then you still have to roll the die for the mission. And it could cause you to go over the top and do good things or fail. So that's another little thing which Pandemic didn't have dice. They didn't. Um, 
So, as I said, you're, you're going to be moving your Jedi around the board, going to planets. You can you can attack the robots that are there. You're using your squad cards to fight the robots just by using the abilities on the cards or the icons on the cards. But then also you're building towards completing the missions. You need a certain number of missions before you can then get to the finale. The finale, you play against the big bad with their special uh, ability that's on the other side of their card. And of course, if you can defeat the villain after you complete the missions, then space fireworks. The credits roll across into the distance, and you win the game. Well, there's a copyright strike for us right there. So I don't think it was that good enough. To be fair, you are correct. I've got to recover. So there's also. Leon. Well, there's more. You'd be excited. There's a solo version. Wow. Mm. Are you trying to tell me that people that like Star Wars don't have friends? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, dear, oh, dear. Now, uh, I am happy to say that in the credits in the rules, they do credit original pandemic, original pandemic game design to Matt Leacock. But of course, you've got lots of lovely spacey Star Wars art in this game. You've got the cool villains. You've got the cool Jedis. You've got the cool minis all around. I mean, even the little robot there's, minis are quite cool. They're cool and there's heaps of them. There's no Jar Jar. There is Which no is a real Jar. shame because we all agree that he was the highlight. He? They? Uh, was a highlight of, of all of the... Mr. Don't need Jar Jar in this again. Make it uh, cool, uh, Mr. Garth. Somebody did it and I'd paid money. That <laughs> there you go. So... That's about all the details of you need that you need to know about the game because it's different and well. Garth, yes. Do you think this game is different <laughs> enough from the base pandemic that someone would want to own both, or and do you think that it is different enough that people who have never heard of pandemic might still be attracted to this game, or both of those things? I'm going yes. to ask you three questions, Garth. Yes, yes, no, maybe. Um, well, look, if you like Pandemic, and people love Pandemic, mm -hmm. and they do have all of the iterations mm -hmm. of it, uh, yeah, absolutely. It, it, it adds a bit of variety. And I, I think the theme works in this one. I think it really does sort of suit the whole overarching arc of, of the Clone Wars. Um, and I think this is probably probably the better one to introduce new players to because more people would know the Star Wars yep. story than would maybe care about a global pandemic because <laughs> no one's heard of that. I was about to say, I reckon there's a solid 7 billion people that know a bit about pandemics. <laughs> yeah, but do you want to relive that? That's right. No, no, absolutely not. So I think, you know, who doesn't want to be a Jedi going around and, you know, being good and doing good things and go being pew, able to pew. be able to go pew pew um that's much more exciting yeah. than being a virologist which is a very amazing career and mm. i tip my hat to all the virologists and the scientists and the dispatchers and all of the characters in the pandemics but i'd still want to be a jedi and you know we played this yes with a non-gamer yes uh with my mate and we chose this particular game for him to play for this very reason, you know, he has played uh, Jaipur 
and I think he may have played a version of Werewolf Mm -hmm. and has played Cards Against Humanity. And that's the extent of his gaming. And a lot of people are like that. And And that's fantastically fine. And this game was a game that he understood and he did really well in. I was going to say, Anthony, what do you think Anthony's five-word review would be? Star Wars, Clone Wars, Pandemic. That's an interesting review. But yeah, it has so to be insightful. It has to be said that I've played, yeah, quite a fair few versions of Pandemic System and they are all slightly different from each other. I don't know if I'd go as far as to say, you know, you should go out and get all of them or whatever, but there are... But people it, do. That's, that's I know, thing. but you can very easily just look at all of the different iterations and go, I like that theme the best. Get that game and you won't be disappointed. None of the versions I've played... Bad, and I don't believe any of them are reviewed badly either. Everyone always, some people might say, Oh, this is a bit too similar to Base Pandemic, but that's fine if you don't have Base Pandemic. So there's nothing wrong with getting your hands on this at all, really. It just depends on kind of what theme you like or, you know, kind of genre you like, but it's all kind of the basic co opy goodness. Yeah, I just look, I like that the, the missions. Which, you know, there's a couple of little tokens. So there's, you've got to get to this planet to do a thing. Gives, like, it gives you competing priorities that you've got to do. You know, so rather than, oh, we've just got to remove some cubes from there and we've got to remove some cubes from there. We've got to do that to stop these planets from being blockaded. But we've also got to go to this particular planet for whatever this mission happens to be. And we've got to go there. Ideally, I'm not going to be able to do it alone. So we need to have at least another Jedi there because you can share cards when you're on um, on the same planet. You can, sorry, both contribute cards to, to resolve a mission. So that, that adds a bit more tension. And I like that. The fact that you can then also sort of fight the bad, the baddie before the big boss fight, which doesn't kill them or doesn't do anything, but it gets them off the board. Mm. And usually the villain deck, when they're off the board, the ability is put them on the board yeah. and that's not a bad thing compared to what they do when they're on the board yeah. so by flicking them off by fighting them as much as you can is another thing that you need to do so I, I, I really do like it I think it's it's an accessible game because it's pandemic it's accessible for newer gamers because who hasn't heard of Star Wars and of the people who have heard of Star Wars most of them probably want to be Jedi instead of the bad guys. Mm. That's just a guess. Why you look directly at me? <laughs> the guy wearing all black. Well, and I, I know, for example, like my son Toby, when he was a bit younger, you know, he was crazy about the Clone Wars because there was obviously that animated series. There's yep. been more that's come out now. So it is also a well-known part of, a, of the well-known Star Wars universe. Yeah. Um, so people can get into the theme. I mean, I, I still own the base game of Pandemic. As do I. Uh, with one expansion, I do play it with new gaming friends. Whilst I don't think I would rush out and get this because I've got that one, and I don't need this to. I'm not someone who's going to have all the pandemics. But if you were, if if you knew a gaming family yeah. who had played Pandemic, yeah. would you buy them Pandemic or would you buy them this version? If they were into Star Wars, absolutely, I'd buy this version. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know what I'd buy. You know what my favorite version of Pandemic is. Well, you said Cthulhu before, didn't you? No, that's the version that I own, but uh, I do have another version. Oh, where the Dutch people try not to drown? <laughs> because you've 
got Dutch relatives? I do have Dutch. I'm yeah. married to one, indeed. Yeah. Uh, but no, I did have that one. It was fine. That was probably <laughs> actually the week in terms of gameplay of the series. Yeah. But no, my favourite of the Pandemic series is the most underrated by a mile is The Cure, which is the dice oh, version the dice of Pandemic. I love that. I like that so much yeah. better than normal. See, I don't think I've even played that. Oh, it's really, really enjoyable. But may have win the Dim Dark Distant Pass. But I'm curious because... Obviously, you mentioned the WoW, the World of Warcraft version, Lich yep. King, and I felt like that flopped. Whereas, I agree, Garth. This one, I think, this one is getting some buzz, and I think it's diff. The, the, the good thing they've done is it's different enough from the base pandemic to sort of stand alone. But then it's it's got the amazing IP. It's got masses of minis. Anyone who's into painting minis is going to love this. I mean, they're not hugely detailed, but they're fine. Um, yeah, I'm curious because, you know, the WoW one flopped, but this one seems to be doing really well. Whether they took that and went, mm, bad choice of IP, maybe. Let's try it again with something else. Well, to give you an idea of if people are interested in this or not, it was one of the games that we gave away on our 12 days of Christmas. Mm. Anybody out there listening probably should have entered. You could have won this game mm. that we're talking about very positively. Um, yeah, it was one of the games we put up in the 12. And in that 12, there were some heavy hitters in there. Yeah. There were some games that had barely been released in Australia. There were some games that if you didn't want any of the games or you just wanted to sell on, you could make your hundreds of dollars off some of them. But the first game off the rank, yep. the first person that won picked was Pandemic Star Wars Clone Wars. Yep. Because people still want to play it. Yep. And I think that's that tells you what it needs yeah. to. Which is, if you like the system, absolutely it is, it is a game that can fit in your collection. If you've got newer gamers in your family, and including your own kids who might not necessarily be into gaming, it allows that toehold of understanding. Because... Everyone knows that Jedi are going to go around and do good things and probably sort of kill some robots yep. from time to time. Um, each of the Jedis have unique powers, which mm. allow them to do something a little bit different to the other Jedi, which is which is cool as well. I think it ticks a lot of boxes. Yeah, I yeah. think so too. Now let's take a quick break and come back and talk about another game shortly. Hello everyone, it's Mark here, just a break in the action to let you know that our copy of Star Wars The Clone Wars was provided by our amazing sponsors and good friends, Good Games Australia. And not only that, they have it available on their website at the moment, 25% off, only $79. So make sure you check out shop.goodgames.com.au for that and all their other specials. Thanks again to Good Games for supporting great Australian content like us. We really appreciate their support. And if you can support them, that would be amazing as well. All right, now back to the action. Garth. Leon. If that is in fact your real name. Haven't you said that before? No, that I'm I think you're having dementia. He never believes the answer that he gets, though. No, that's very, very true. I don't think I've told him. So we've talked about some games tonight. We've talked about some decent games tonight. Mm. But can you teach me a game based off just the title of it and nothing else? Yes, I can, Leon. Excellent. Go ahead. It's called... Uh... Oh, look at you trying to do something on the fly. <laughs> it's not working, is no, it? No, it's really not. No. Cyclades Titans. Oh, All right. lovely. <laughs> that tells me heaps of stuff. What's a Cyclades? 
Well, um, anyway, so the game we're going to talk about in a quickfire review is a game that I picked up really just kind of by accident. There was a local seller in Tasmania who was selling the game. And I thought, I'll buy the game, the game, because I think my family will play the game, the game with me. And that's nice because any games that the game that my family can play a game with me is good. But it's not about the game. Makes perfect sense. So anyway, I also picked up this game because um, it was like no money. It was like eight bucks. Mm-hmm. And it was like, okay, if I'm going to pay some shipping, I might as well buy another game. The game is Leon uh-huh. 5211. Lovely. Now you know how to play it. Okay. So in 5211, there are 100 cards. There are 20 cards in each of the five colors of various denominations, numbered one through to six. Mm. Now you're going to shuffle all of those together. And then, depending on the player count, you're going to deal out a certain number. Yeah, depending on different player counts, you're going to remove some cards just so the game goes for a certain distance because the game will end when the deck has been exhausted. That's all you need to know so far. You are going to be dealt five cards, Leon, at the start of each round. Five cards. Which, happily say. enough, is the first number in the name of this game, mm. 5211. Interesting. You are then going to play two cards in the first turn of this game, which is the second number of this game. See what they did there. On the next two turns, you are going to play one card each. So on your turn, a weird coincidence. each round you will get five cards, you will play two of those cards, then you will play one card, then you will play one card, hence the name 5211. Crazy talk. All of us are going to be doing that when we're sitting around the table, and all of us will be doing that Simul or simultaneously, depending on your pronunciation. You will play in the first round two cards face down. All of us will do that as soon as everyone's ready. We'll reveal them all together and we'll all go, Dachura! Or we'll go, oh yeah, that's really good. Because what's going to happen is that you will look at the colours of the cards that each player has played and the numbers on each of them, those cards and you will go, hmm... Because at the end of everyone playing their four cards, being the two and then the one and then the one, the colour that's going to score is the colour that has the most on the table. Seems simple. However, if you ever get to a number of cards equal to two more than the player count Uh in a three-player game, if there's ever five of that colour or more, that colour's bust. It's gone. It's not going to score. It'll then go to the next most popular colour as long as it hasn't busted yet and so on and so on and so on. And that colour will score. And basically, you'll just take the cards that you have played of that colour, put them in a face-down pile, and that's going to be your scoring pile at the end of the game. However, Mm. in this particular game, and I have the Azul version, Mark, you have the the non-Azul version. There are no ones in my version. There are roosters. Mine are lizards. There you go. So, lizards are one of the other things, or roosters, where if there is ever the number of players... Plus three, I think, roosters. It's only going to be them that score. And colours are just regardly... Like, you don't care about colour anymore. Because who sees colour anyway? I only see roosters. Yeah. All the roosters are worth one point. But it allows you to score multiple different coloured cards if they're all roosters. So at the end of every round, you're going to go, Okay, have we got a particular number of roosters? If we do, that scores. Otherwise, the colour that is the most present... As long as it doesn't bust, that's the one that's going to score, and that's it. What's the other name for roosters again? Uh, cockerels? Yep, sure. Daddy chickens? 
It did, what I wanted didn't happen. Carry on. Correct. <laughs> so between each time you play cards, you always draw up to five. So after you've played your first two cards, you draw up to five. So you've always got five cards to choose from every single turn. The game's going to win when the central deck has been exhausted because everyone's had their game, their, their cards gone, and that's it. The game goes for <sighs> 10 to 15 minutes, mm. maybe at most. Is that five? Sometimes? And you play the first round and you go, okay, I got it now. Yeah. I got it. I understand this game. Let's go again. Let's go again. Let's go again. This is a really cool little small box game. And everyone I've taught it to lately plays it again. And people I know play it once, jump onto a certain giant, giant conglomerate online shopping bloody powerhouse and buy two versions of it or at least they say they do and then they buy one and mark you're the one who got it and leon decided not to buy it the other one was unavailable for some reason it was weird (laughs) so this game is killer and definitely worth the eight bucks or whatever it was that i paid um and mark you've you've got the slightly different version but you and your wife have have played your version and yeah it was an insta buy for me i pulled it out played it with my son and my wife and my wife is a gamer, but my son is not. And both of them were like, yep, go again. As soon as we finished playing it, they they knew how to play at the end of the first round. And I think we played it played it through three or four times. And yeah, it was an insta-buy for me. I think the problem with this game is because I had heard of it. And obviously when I first saw it, because it has Azul on the title, I was like, oh, is it an expansion or something for Azul? No. No. It's a whole game by itself. Is the, the graphic design of the cover of the box... I. I hated it. It's nonsense. And the fact that they slapped on the Azul, like in the Azul family, they could have done something a bit more unique. It looks really slapped together. It looks like a cardboard box of Azul that someone's kind of cut into bits and yes. they're made smaller. And it's really, really off-putting and weird. And it makes no... Like, obviously, each of, each of the cards look like, you know, the tiles in Azul and that's fine, but... It's got no relevance. There's, n- there's no reason for it to say Azul. And it's another it, one of these little... Japanese games, I believe. It's a Japanese designer, Garth. Um, I'd like you to pronounce his name. Oh, you mean Toyoshi Hashiguchi? Yeah, him. Um, you know, again, just like in the last episode, we talked about Cat in the Box, where they're really great at making game. I don't want to generalise, but some of these designers, a lot of them are from Japan. They're great at making these card games that are great games, but there's just there's not too much to them. It's really simple, yeah. but great gameplay. Well, it's not, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong about saying the fact that when you're talking about um, Japan or the Japanese people, people that live in big cities, they don't have bloody dining tables. Mm. They they get food, they barely have kitchens half the time. They get food when they're out and eat in because it was cheap over there and it's amazing, and they don't have the space. So when it comes to small card games, they smash it out of the park. And yeah. this is another example. I just wish that it's, had either either a different name or different design yeah. or something that people that got it because Garth like Marvel five two one sure I mean it would have sold better but by Kevin Gar- Beige sure because because Garth <laughs> put this game in front of us and then straight away I was just like eh, well, I kind of know what this but I kind of don't and then we played a round of it and I was just like this is great this is great fun and then that's why we both you know we jumped on the evil corporation and went what like you know twenty bucks. All right, yeah. absolutely. Why would you not? It's just a shame that there's the, there's two different versions of this game with two different kind of art styles on them, and both of them have colours in those art styles that don't that they have issues in the game version that Garth has. The yellow you can barely see what the numbers are because right. they kind of they're very glowy and bright, and then the version that Mark has where there's only what five colours in the whole game. 
two of them happen to be a similar shade of green for some reason. <laughs> there's green and then there's teal. Yeah, yeah it's a, it's it a, must have been a reason why they didn't choose blue. I don't know, but it's a, it's a bit silly. But either way, in terms of the gameplay, I mean, there's a hell of a lot worse ways to spend yeah. five minutes. That's for sure. Oh, look, I, I really highly recommend this game mm. again for. You know, it's that Christmas present, that birthday present, you know, even that sort of work secret Santa stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, this kind of game for a good price point, it's so user-friendly, it's so easy to teach, and it's just really fun. That's that's simple. I really love it. So anyway, that's 5211. And Mark, we are probably out of time. We are out of time, and that is the end of episode 351 here with an Iceman Cometh. We'll be back soon for... 352. Sounds about right. Thank you very much. Second batch of 350. Well, we're almost halfway through. (laughs) And spoiler alert for next episode, Garth will be doing his review of uh, a game he's never played. (laughs) (laughs) Trains in it and his wife assures me they're playing it this weekend. That's right. It's going to happen, people. I'm going to be sick next episode. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to our amazing sponsors and particularly Charles from LFG, who's a legend. Um, but all of the companies who look after us with their, their little games, their big games, their great games. Thank you so much. And we'll speak to you soon. Bye. You've been listening to The Dice Men Cometh. Toodles. You've been listening to another episode of The Dice Men Cometh, proudly brought to you by LFG Australia. Be sure to check out lfg-oz.com.au for all the details of their online and physical retail store. You can find us at dicemencometh.com or on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. And don't forget, you can support us on Patreon too. Thanks for listening.